A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. I am Gabrielle Hakoen, and I am here today on this beautiful, um, overcast, cloudy, probably rainy later day with my formidable and inspiring co-host. Hi, I'm Sadie Carpenter. I think formidable is probably the best adjective you've ever used to describe me. I love that. I think it's apt. Uh, you are doing it all. You are in school full time. You are a mom full time. You've got a successful podcast. You play rock and music with a rock and band. I think formidable is an absolutely appropriate term. Well, thank you very much. My husband was talking to his coworker this week and he like offhand said something about oh, well, my wife has the number 31 documentary podcast in the United States. And his coworker was like, what? You have a baby. You're both in school and she's doing that. So that felt pretty good. That that felt very validating. Um, I think that having it all as a mom is a, is a sexist myth. And there are days that I don't even have it all together. But I really love what I'm doing. And I appreciate your compliment. And we don't have time to dilly dally, sadly, and, and talk about how much we love Sadie and how much we how much we appreciate everything that you do for us and for uh, 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 our community. It is a because today we have a listener chosen topic. Okay, it's interesting. So in the past, we've talked about different sort of camps of the IFB, the Hiles camp, Gothard camp, Stephen Anderson, uh, IBLP camp, whatever. Today, we are talking about a different camp. One could 
possibly say a more top tier camp of the IFB. Well, I guess that depends on your definition of top tier. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is probably our most requested episode of all time. Yeah, people keep asking us about it. And I have to admit that when people started yelling at me nicely, asking me to do this episode, it perplexed me a little bit because I had vaguely heard of Vision Forum, but I couldn't place it. I couldn't immediately make the connection between, oh, that is this particular camp of the IFB. And Doug Phillips, just I wouldn't have known who he was. Later on, I realized that I had actually encountered Vision Forum. I'll tell you about that further down in the episode. So Doug Phillips, Vision Forum, that is our topic du jour. We're going to get right into it. But before we do, uh, the Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast about Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult in which she was raised. We talk about this cult, other cults, religion, fundamentalism, dangerous cult ideologies, and then high pressure groups. So if you like our show uh, and you want to support our show you can join our patreon where we have extended and uncensored episodes of the show we seek to promote freedom of mind freedom of thought and freedom of religion you can join our facebook group which as of right now has just surpassed the milestone of having 500 members wow that's incredible (laughs) no i thought it was gonna so i saw early a couple days ago that we were at 480 ish and i texted you and i was like oh hey we're gonna have 500 members soon And I thought it would take like a couple more weeks. And then like two days later, it happened. Two days later, man. Well, we love you guys. Uh, We have great conversations in there. People are posting all sorts of stuff. People are posting old pictures of themselves as fundies. People are posting pictures of fundy things that they have lying around their house, you know, posting really touching and memorable stories about the ways that they have worked to deconstruct their upbringings. People are really vulnerable in there, and I love our group so much. Yeah. Um, uh, There's a a group member who is sending me (laughs) – I'll tell you more about it when it gets here, but there's a group member who was visited by the the, uh, NIFB. Really? (laughs) And she is sending me some materials that they left her, which is just going to be so interesting. Yeah. The other thing that happened was that, so last week you remember, we talked about how, how uh, that book that Jack Scott gave you, the, we're like, we should get a mental health professional to come on the show. And we just said that offhanded. We, we put that out. Like four people were like, Hey, I'll do that for you. If you like four people sent us different messages saying, I would be happy to do that. So uh, we, we got one of them. And we got the book. The book is on its way to the, the person that Sadie's e- that responded to the email. So <laughs> that's going to come up at some point in the future. Yeah, uh, and I'm looking fun. for more copies. If you happen to have a copy of Healing for the Inner Hurts. By convicted pedophile Jack Scott. <laughs> yes. If you have one of those that you'd like to get rid of, um, shoot me a message because I may be able to buy it from you or pay for shipping or figure out something that will work for both of us. Uh, because it, it, it looks like I'm going to need more than one copy of this terrible, terrible book. I want to take this time also to thank our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons. I, I believe I've been corrected in the pronunciation of this one. Is it Dee Keppel? Is that right? Yeah, Keppel. Okay, so Didi Keppel, I'm sorry I've been saying your name wrong. Kathleen Moncrief, who is not French, uh, Scottish. <laughs> uh, Emery, is it Fairlaser? 
I don't know. That's a very cool name. I thought the same person who last week we said was M the Frightener. I don't know. Is Fairlaser cooler than the Frightener? Fairlaser is pretty cool. Uh, My great grandfather's name was Laser. Uh, Laser, anything to do with lasers in your name is cool. And then as always. I just think uh, Emery is cool. I, I think Emery is cool. The same Emery who sent us a letter during Pride Month. We love the same you, Emery. Emery who likes all my tweets. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. And Jessica Tambo. Um excellent. Oh, also and we assume we're saying correctly. <laughs> no, Jessica sent me a message saying it's Tambo okay. like Tambo like Rambo. So Oh, okay, cool. So yeah. I think we should have people when they sign up for that, let us know what the pronunciation is so we don't run into this in the future. Yeah. Speaking of uh high tier and especially top tier patrons, I've decided what the benefit is going to be for the uh I gave it all tier patrons. You're finally starting an OnlyFans. Sadly, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, what what the benefit for our I gave it all tier patrons is gonna be. Uh, so you say, do you know all the conversations that are just too fing weird for us to put even on the Patreon edition? Yes. I've decided to make all of those into a supercut. So if oh, you want to give us $100 a month, you can hear all of the things that I would absolutely never let anybody else hear me say unless they gave me a bunch of money. Um, um, yeah. Can you make that somehow where they where, where people can't like download it and put it on the Internet? Because I don't want <laughs> You know, uh, I, yeah. I feel like there are people who would sign up for that for one month to get that. Yeah, just to like yeah. screw with us, just to 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 get all the dirt on us. No, okay, but I will also want to say, new listeners, we've got a lot of new listeners over the past few weeks. Uh, thank you. Uh, if this is your first or second time listening to the show, I would highly recommend you go back listen to episode one of the show where we talk about what actually makes something a cult. And the other thing that I would describe as required reading part or a five-part first family of fundamentalism series where we talk about the scop uh, the hiles and scop dynasty in the ifb that's like really important background information um we have a lot of new listeners um actually sadie here's something for you did you know two percent of our listener base is now german that's interesting yeah i hope they're not zizanna anderson's relatives <laughs> Well, they might be Susanna Anderson's relatives and they'd be like, let me get my daughter back. Maybe they're her relatives who like want to know what on earth she's doing. Maybe they are. That makes sense. Anyway, uh, so if you are a a German listener, um, I would just like to say, meine Deutsch ist nicht sehr gut, aber ich habe lieber zum Deutschen, which means uh, if you don't speak German, uh, my German isn't very good, but I have love for the German people. So now that we've talked about the Germans, uh, we've talked about our faith promise missions here. We've done a little bit for the Patreon, I think. Um, yeah, uh, Germans, if you're listening to this, uh, we said only nice things about you on our Patreon. No, seriously, we did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can give us money and find out what exactly we said about you. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> that feels like emotional blackmail, Gabby. It really does. Look, I'm trying to pay rent, okay? So now, so. That, <laughs> so now that we've dilly-dallied after you said no dilly-dallying... I, the last thing I want to say is a quick thank you for our listeners' response to our mental health episode. I loved the response that that one got. Um, people sharing their stories and reaching out to me personally. That was that was really wonderful. Let's talk Vision Forum. Let's talk about Doug Phillips. Who is Doug Phillips? What is Vision Forum? Why is it important? I've never heard of him before we did this episode. And then... Oh, yeah. Uh, this is another one that will have a free sources post on Patreon. I'll give you more information on how to access that in the outro of this episode. So I, like I said at the very jump, uh, his name wasn't immediately familiar to me either. 
And I figured out maybe part of why he wasn't it because he wasn't a pastor. As you know, pastors in the IFB are the people who get the most name recognition. Doug Phillips was not a pastor. He was an elder in a church near San Antonio, Texas. His dad is Howard Phillips, was a three-time presidential candidate and the leader of the Constitution Party. And here's a Hmm. Yeah, and here's a fun fact for you. Howard Phillips was born into a Jewish family and then converted to evangelical Christianity as a young adult. Ah, he's one of those. Okay. Yeah, this whole this guy all like has totally weird vibes the whole way. Um he attended Harvard and he wrote articles while at Harvard that the campus neo-Nazi club praised. Mm. He also so he spent his entire career in politics. Um, Howard Phillips was the director of the Office of Economic Opportunity under President Nixon. Uh, Howard Phillips resigned that office when Nixon failed to make good on his promise to veto further funding for Lyndon Johnson's social programs. Like wait, which like so Medicare, Medicaid, those are the pro- like what else? Uh, all of the Great Society programs. Mm. So yeah, Medicare, Medicaid, also tax cuts, privacy rights, the war on poverty, and civil rights. That's a tough look these days, actually. Yeah, that's not an uncommon stance these days. I take that back. Uh, I mean, look what happened. You know, they're they're striking down. They struck down the Voting Rights Act, and that was like a huge part of it. People yeah. can hate Title IX because that means that you know you have to not discriminate against women. Like people fucking hate Title IX. Title yeah, 10. Well, today we're oh. going to talk about somebody who really hates that. Oh, yeah. Clues so, for later. Yeah. Ugh. So Phillips, the father, what I'm trying to get at is that he played a very important role in shaping the religious right in America. His name has been passed over by history a little bit, or maybe the history just it ha- it's just not long enough since it happened to know if he's really going to be remembered. But it seems that at the time in the 70s and 80s, when he was extremely political, politically active, that he was a controversial figure. He was associated with Jerry Falwell, and he may have had a hand in forming the moral majority. And he was an outspoken opponent of the appointment of Sandra Day O'Connor to the Supreme Court because she was pro-abortion. But he was also, he also kind of got in some hot water for being too conservative for the conservatives. Like he had a lot of rifts with even conservative or Republican people because he was too conservative for them, which is why he ended up starting the Constitution Party. So he's like a, like a hardcore like ideologue. Yes, very. So he was like into the ideology. He's like, this is its logical conclusion. This is where we are. You guys aren't pure. Yeah, he was. He mm. was, and he didn't care if his commitment to ideology made him unpopular or even lost him status within the political party where he started. And I thought it was important to include include this about Phillips the father's political career because I think it says a lot about him and what principles he was instilling in his young son at the time. Interesting. So Interesting according stuff. to a web archive of the now defunct Vision Forum website, Howard Phillips, quote, faithfully read both Old and New Testament to him, Doug, at the dinner table, taught him constitutional law, public policy, and communicated to Doug a remarkable passion for history. They listened together to more than 2,000 audio cassettes on history, books, and theology. A very involved father. I see. You love to see it. Taking a strong interest in his son's education. Yeah, and we're, we're going to get to that. 
But I agree that it's really wonderful for a parent to be taking their kid's schooling in hand like that and making education a family thing. My dad did that for me. I think that's I think that's fantastic. Howard Phillips was one of the architects of the new right. He was an architect of the moral majority. So when he was teaching Doug these things about history and public policy, it was definitely with a very strong conservative bent. I don't want to say, yeah, this is the genesis of the neoconservative movement, the movement that gave us Reagan, gave us Bush. Yeah, uh, Howard Phillips was a major mover and shaker in that movement. And I know that we're eventually going to have to address the shifting of conservatism from being about policy to being about morality. But uh, I did a lot of research for this episode, and I don't want to. I don't want to do it next week because that's too much. No. Uh, but I have a feeling when we do that episode, eventually Howard Phillips is going to come up again. Phillips, the father, like I said, unsuccessfully ran for president three times in 1992, 1996, and 2000. But Doug Phillips didn't seem to intend to follow in his father's exact political footsteps. So did he become a dirty, stinking liberal? No. Lily livered with no. lace on, on his underwear. <laughs> is that what they say? That is exactly what they no. say. It, 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 is, it freaks me out every time you've picked up like a fundyism like that. It's, it's very that disturbing. That was so memorable though. Lace on your underwear. That's so memorable. That's like their big insult. But no, ideologically, Doug Phillips stuck very close to his father's teachings. So what was his divergence then? The divergence is that he didn't go into politics. He went into law. So Doug met his wife, Beale, in college in the 1990s. Okay, so we're talking, okay, 90s. Okay, this is much more recent than I was thinking then. Yeah, it doesn't give us a year that they met, but based on like their ages and what year they got married, it would have to be very late 80s or early 90s. Remember, the, the father was politically active in the 70s through the 2000s. That makes the timeline make more sense, maybe. Doug went to school for law at the Antonin Scalia School of Law at George Mason University. And he went to law school specifically because he wanted to help homeschooling families. Yeah. And for those that don't know, George Mason University is like the intellectual hub for conservative thought, like conservative academia. So so it's like for conservatives what Berkeley is to like leftists. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know anything about colleges <laughs> that aren't fundy. I'm still working on that. I mean, different schools have different reputations. So George Mason, I mean, it's definitely thought of as like a, a really good academic institution, but it's going to be like if you're going there for law school, the law school of George Mason, it's going to be like teaching about like constitutional originalism. I think this is important, one, because he chose to go to that university, but two, it's important to note that he is an actual lawyer, like like a real lawyer. Um, So like an actual professional, not like uh, somebody that Kent Hovind would hire. Yeah, his law law degree is not from Patriot University. Um, It's from a a very real, very legitimate law school. So after law school, Doug took a job at the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which uh, the acronym is the HSLDA which I'm going to use because that's a mouthful of a name. As far as I know, the HSLDA is the biggest pro-homeschooling group in the U.S. It was founded because of anti-homeschooling laws in Germany. Americans were worried that similar compulsory education laws would be enacted here. So like what specifically was he worried about? Was he worried about like they're outright going to ban homeschooling or are they just going to say you can't teach your kids that the Loch Ness Monster was a dinosaur? So in Germany, homeschooling is almost completely banned. Mm. Children can be homeschooled for health reasons if they're not able to attend school, but there is no religious exemption. 
Susanna Anderson has talked about this before. There are people in Germany who are upset about this for non-religious reasons. Uh, The BBC article that I linked uh, talks about a family who aren't religious, but they have a family farm and they wanted to homeschool their kids so the kids could help on, on the farm. So just like there are Americans who are really passionate about homeschooling that aren't religious. But in Germany, like here, the primary source of opposition is people who are Christians or otherwise extremely conservative religiously and believe that schools are going to teach their kids dangerous lies like sex education, evolution, and acceptance of all gender identities and sexual orientations. Still, like if you're part of that community, this this is like a existential threat this is a legitimate thing that you would be worried about yeah this is a this is a very legitimate worry it's one of those things how like uber is allowed to classify their employees as independent contractors and not as employees for tax for tax reasons and and uber saves a load of money doing that it's like that um because of the united states political climate it probably won't change in our lifetime Uber will probably Uber and other companies who use independent contractors will probably be able to do that, at least through our lifetime. Uh, and people will probably be able to homeschool in the United States long term. But there is a very real possibility that it could go the other way. Yeah. So we've talked about education and homeschooling on the show before. Um, how so? How much of that stuff is Doug Phillips' organization actually responsible for? Well, the HSLDA is not his organization. It was around before he was. Oh. Yeah, he did legal work for them. So this is for like about a thing. Six years. Okay, so he gets out of college. He's like, I'm going to work for the HSL. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, like but he's, he's building a name for himself because he's working for one of the largest, I think it's the largest part of the the, the homeschooling lobby. Uh, it's, it's a very well known organization and they help everybody from like IBLP families to ACE families any Christian homeschooler, so all the way up to like Southern Baptists who just want to homeschool their kids. The HSLDA, though, is probably responsible for a lot of what we've talked about in the realm of education and homeschooling because they they are they're really influential. After working for the HSLDA for about six years, Phillips was the director of the National Center for Home Education for a while for them. So he worked his way pretty far up in their organization. But after six years, some of his views were making HSLDA leader is very uncomfortable Mm. and he and the HSLDA's parted ways. So he's like too much for them even like his dad. The the HSLDA, like they represent everybody. Like, yes, they represent a lot of IBLP, IFB families, but they represent people who aren't nearly that extreme as well. So they kind of have to remain neutral. So Phillips was way too far out there for these people. So he started his own organization and that's Vision Forum. Okay. So what's Vision Forum? What are they promoting? It's unique as a fundy organization because there's a for-profit side and a non-profit side. So there, there are two actual, actually two companies. This guy, so Phillips is different from other fundies, number one, because he's a real lawyer. And he actually set his business up with a proper legal structure. Unlike Kent Hovind. Yeah, uh, Doug Phillips and Kent Hovind are on completely opposite sides of the IFB spectrum. I don't know if there are two people that are more different, uh, except for Doug Phillips does also write poetry. Oh, God. Are we going to read It's slightly more eloquent, maybe. Wait you know time. what? Doug Phillips, where did he go to school? He went to, uh, he went to George Mason University, so he can at least spell. Like <laughs> I couldn't find where he went to undergrad. I know he met his wife in undergrad, but I could not find it anywhere. 
which is odd. Makes me think that he either went to an unaccredited Christian college and then conned his way into George Mason. That doesn't seem very on brand for him, though. No, I think what actually happened is he went to a secular college and wants to hide that because now he recommends that people not go to secular college. Okay, that would make more sense. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know because I could not find where he went to undergrad. But Vision Forum, it existed to promote homeschooling, creationism, quiverful beliefs, and most importantly, biblical patriarchy. Uh, so this is like a, a not like its own ministry. Is it its own ministry? Because he's it's not a, a ministry, minister. It's a ministry and a business. Is he a pastor? No, he was an elder in his church. From what I am reading about the church that he went to. Okay, so I have uh, at this point, I think about 10 or 11 sources that are going to be included for this episode. But I'm including like 20 more links for you to dig into this because I didn't have a lot of time to get into the drama at his church. But there will be links on it, links about it in that Patreon post. It looks like his church didn't have pastors. They just had like four or five men who were like co-pastors. They were elders in the church and like co-pastors. So they like share responsibility. Yeah. Instead of having one guy in charge, I think it's part of the biblical patriarchy thing. So this is like a council, a ruling council of, yes. of elders. So he was an elder in his church, but he was not a pastor or a minister or ordained as far as I know. He's just – this is a guy that we really respect his opinion. So – oh, okay. So he was, he was a leader. He was a church leader, but he wasn't a minister or an ordained minister. Vision Forum had a for-profit business side like, I don't know, a Christian bookstore or – but it also had a nonprofit ministry side, like a church, but not a church. So it's kind of both. Okay. And the, yeah, the huh. ministry side is like an advocacy for for all of this like homeschooling, creationism, quiverful, patriarchy stuff. Okay. So how popular are they? We're going to talk about that. Okay. Um, we're going to talk hmm. about that a little bit further down the line, but I want to talk a little, uh, I want to talk first about the biblical patriarchy thing. Yeah, so biblical patriarchy, that's something that we've covered in our episodes about the Duggars, our episodes about Bill Gothard and the IBLP. So I just want to hit a couple points that I didn't hit in those episodes on our way through to Vision Forum, if that's all right. So according to the archived Vision Forum website that I quoted from earlier, Doug's goal was, quote, to spur on Christian manhood and sacrificial fatherhood and to see dads turn their hearts to their wives and children. Do you want to give us like a bit of a refresher on what exactly this means? Because I've never heard of sacrificial fatherhood before. What's that? I had to look this up because I wasn't exactly sure what he meant. What I found was an interview where he talks about his fascination with the Titanic. This isn't a rabbit trail. I promise this is actually going somewhere. So Phillips founded the Christian Boys and Men's Titanic Society. Because he admired the whole, like, women and children first thing that he had heard about when the Titanic went down. I suppose he's a Van Halen fan, too. I don't think so. <laughs> um, I doubt it. He, so Phillips <laughs> held yearly Titanic memorial dinners in D.C. I'm sorry. This is so funny to me. <laughs> he held Titanic memorial dinners where all these people dressed up as, like, Titanic passengers. <laughs> With, like, live performances and a recreation of the Titanic's first-class dining room, which he called the famous Phillips flagship restaurant. Is he serving, like, caviar and... He was serving, like, recreations of, like, Titanic dinners. 
so he gets like Leo in there. Leo's like, I'm sorry, I've never cared for caviar. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know why this is so funny to me. I just think his obsession with the Titanic is a little bit much for a grown man. His whole thing about it is, is like, well, the men died to save the women and the children. That's his whole thing. Like, he, and it does conveniently ignore, like, the men who attempted to pass themselves off as women to get into lifeboats and, like, the hundreds of second-class and steerage women and children who died. I guess he is a big fan of Jack letting Rose have the door to herself, though. And he's obviously not a big fan of Billy Zane's character. And I can't say that I blame him because that guy sucked. So, yeah, if you want to hear more about this, we uh, we have an earlier homework episode where we talk all about Titanic. Uh, Phillips would have never planted the heart of the ocean on Leo. That's for sure. Exactly. I just think it's odd. His level of obsession with the Titanic. It's the level. It's not that he likes it, like that he likes it or like that he's a, a historian, like a historian about the Titanic. It's not that. It's the level of his obsession with it that is weird to me. So Phillips relates like the whole women and children first thing to the bib- biblical metaphor of Jesus as a groom and the church as a bride. And Jesus is the groom who laid down his life for the bride. Wait, so if the church is getting married to Jesus. The church is the whole. Mean, does it mean what? What else are we going to be doing with Jesus? Is well, this like a ask, Jack Scott? Jack Scott. <laughs> well, it's not the church as a whole. It's the body of Christ, which I expect you have never heard of because I have not told you about it. Okay. I've, I've heard that term. That's the thing that they, uh, when you're Catholic, they give you the crackers. Nope. That's Eucharist. Totally different Christian concept. Uh, the belief that every person as Christians, every person who's a Christian is a part of the body of christ on earth so like when we do nice things for other people we're being jesus's hands and feet or when we say nice words we're being jesus's mouth wait so whatever you do like if you're nice to people jesus gets all the credit yes that's bull i'm sorry (laughs) sorry jesus uh i think that's bullshit um you know what i don't have time to do the theology on this but we'll, we'll get back to it okay I want to read you a couple quotes from Phillips about the Titanic because it, it this will maybe this will give you a better view of of what he's saying and thinking about this. Okay, go for it. Okay. So here's here's the first one. Our goal is to study the many spiritual lessons which can be derived from the sinking of the Titanic and to apply them to our lives today. Of paramount concern is the idea that men should sacrifice on behalf of women and children. I mean, I guess that's fine if you're like hella into chivalry. Yeah, you know. Whatever. That the, but that seems like a weird thing to base your or your spiritual beliefs around. So continuing from the same interview, it's the closest thing I know to a modern Bible story. I have committed my life to serving God through the restoration of biblical family culture. What? I'm... Yeah. So he calls Titanic a modern Bible story. And then he goes straight to this absolute gem, which I think will show you where he's going with this whole thing. Okay. In a very real sense, the men of the Titanic represent Christendom's last stand. Mm. What? The men who followed biblical gender roles and sacrificed themselves on the Titanic are representative of the brave men who will lead America back to God, who are the only hope for Christianity. I'm very confused by this. I'm a bit confused by it, too. Like The men of the Titanic that... What? Did he not see the movie? 
Like I don't I, think I, he's I, seen the movie because he's he's like against television and movies, and he'd probably be scandalized by that. I I want to know what. Okay, so a of all, I want to know what Doug Phillips' take is on "It Is Well with My Soul" by Horatio Spafford, uh, because that's also about like a boat going down and people dying. Or was that a boat? Because the children died. Uh, his daughters died. So the children died, but Spafford wasn't there to sacrifice himself for his family. So I don't know if Phillips would be a fan or not. So you're telling me basically that if Doug Phillips had a church, they wouldn't be playing It Is Well With My Soul. They would be playing My Heart Will Go On. Probably not. I, I don't I kind of doubt he has seen the Titanic film or at least had at the point in his life, which we are referencing. Are you kidding, man? This guy loves Titanic. Like this guy like nudity and other unsavory content. This guy's like favorite thing in the whole world is titanic and they come out with a movie called titanic and it's the biggest movie ever made and this guy doesn't go and see it well he would never he would definitely not go to a theater because somebody might see him so like i can i can almost guarantee you he didn't go to a theater or like he disguised himself and drove three towns away or something or he'd go on the go to the blockbuster with a fake mustache and rent the The VHS had come on two VHS tapes because the movie that's was probably, so long. That's probably what he did with a fake mustache and like a trench coat and a hat down so over I've, his eyes because man. he's also obsessed with the 1940s. I've linked for you a web archive, by the way, of Phillips writing about how the Titanic. He, I, I know he did dislike the movie, whether or not he saw it. Uh, because How do you dislike a movie if you haven't even seen it? Well, he wrote a thing about how the Titanic movie gave a false impression of class warfare and how the steerage passengers weren't actually treated worse than first class at all. I find that very hard to believe. Yeah, he he, uh, he posted like a victorious article, like James Cameron apologizes for his for his communist insertion of Marxist class warfare theory <laughs> into the Titanic. I'm, I'm dead serious. I, I put James this in the sources. Cam- what? I put this in the sources. Like I'm dead. I'm dead serious. <laughs> any like the any portrayal of wealth inequality is is Marxist class yeah, warfare. Is, like literally he walks down the street next to my house and sees homeless people next to houses that are worth hundreds of thousands, several hundred thousand dollars. If He's like, shame on you for representing class warfare. Yeah, for real. What the hell? Um, That's so. So anyway, there's extra, that. I've, I've linked like, that for you. But the next thing that I desperately needed to know after reading the Titanic interview was what specifically Phillips means when he says that he wants men and boys to sacrifice themselves for women in general and especially women in their family. I don't doubt that he literally does mean that if they should find themselves in a life or death situation, that they should be willing and prepared to give their lives trying to be heroic, trying to save their family. Mm. Fine. You know, fine. As a feminist, it rubs me the wrong way to make this about like boys are heroes and girls are like helpless and need saving. But it's not the worst thing. As a parent, I do think that parents of any gender should be prepared to act heroically for their children. So is this the thing that turns into boys in church trying to carry as many folding chairs as they can humanly fit underneath their arms to show how chivalrous they are? I think that's called flirting in the funny world. That's a thing in the real world, too, though. You know, after choir rehearsal, oh, man, five chairs under each arm. The ladies knew what was up. See, me in high school, it was checking how many chairs the boy with the most chairs was carrying and then finding literally anywhere, any way to carry one more chair, uh, regardless Mm. of whether I, like, broke a finger or what. (laughs) 
Um, no, I was like very committed to, to being like, whatever, anything you can do, I can do better. And the church elders are looking at you with mean looks in their faces like that Sadie. She's trying to show up the boys. Um, I just uh, I, I just was not about I was not about people, especially especially the boys being stronger than me. I was like, no, I can do this. Better. You never find a husband that way. <laughs> Jokes on them. Oh, man. So so what Phyllis was recommending uh, with the with this sacrificial fatherhood was that fathers in particular do an act of sacrifice by spending time with their children. Like that's the main thing of sacrificial fatherhood is you have to spend time with your kids. That's the sacrifice. That's it. Man, Doug's kids must have been little shits then. <laughs> well, <laughs> he named them Joshua, Justice, Liberty, Jubilee, Faith, Evangeline, Honor, and Providence. From some of them, I think he deserved it. So okay, those are the kids. So like Liberty, Justice, Jubilee, Liberty, mm-hmm. Jubilee. Okay, those are the names of kids that are jumping on the couch in dirty shoes. That's that's <laughs> like that, that. Those are the names of like Liberty. That's a kid that you see on a leash at Walmart. I knew a Liberty, and she was really nice, actually. Um, I am gonna step right <laughs> up awful. here and mm. admit that I think Justice is a nice name. Faith is fine, too, obviously. Um, Justice, it's not the style that I see myself going with for any future kids that I have, but I do really like it. Isn't that the name of Jenna Maroney's character in The Rural Jure in 30 Rock? Ooh. No, that was Constance Justice. Oh, a Rural Jure Rural reference. Jure. Yeah. <laughs> Rural Jure. That's like my favorite 30 Rock Rural Jure. Rural Jure. Yes, Constance Justice sounds correct for that character. But anyway, I think justice is a fine name. Liberty is not the worst. Uh, Ah. Honor and providence are definitely a bit out there. Like, can you imagine you held my baby when she was like two weeks old? Yes. Can you imagine looking at that tiny? She was like eight pounds. She was in a a zero to three month uh, zip up like a uh, sleeper and it was her head fit in the palm of my hand. It was way too big on her. Yeah. She was like the size of your arm. Yeah. I've got a picture um, of that. This yeah. Is, Can you imagine looking at that tiny little thing and being like, your name is honor. Your name is Providence. Like, can you imagine? Providence. <laughs> like little babies are just so tiny. Can you imagine? It's like, so, you know, you know how Dakota is one of those names that like, so you, when, when you meet somebody named Dakota, they're like dreading that you're going to say to them North or South, you know, yeah. but like Providence you're going to like grow up with people making fucking Rhode Island jokes to you. You know, like nobody even knows about Rhode Island either. That's like, <laughs> yeah, that ruins your life, man. And there's like, there's not even a good nickname. Like, what are they going to do? Call the kid Prov? Dense. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I don't get it. Like, like some of those like really old fashioned names, there's a good nickname for, but there isn't even one of those. I don't you even know. V Day. That's all right. Yeah. Take the middle four letters. I don't know. I, I, I've got to say something else here. This reminds me. So, you, you know, there'll be something that you've been doing for years and years and years, and it's just like a normal thing. And then some startup will decide that they're going to do it. And then that thing like gets like a rebrand and it's fresh and new. He's mm-hmm. like, it feels to me like with this whole uh, 
like a sacrificial fatherhood thing. He's taken spend time with your kids like, you know, you're fucking supposed to do. And he's rebranded it as sacrificial fatherhood. And now there's a Bible meaning behind it. Like, and that doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's just like taken something that people should be doing and been like, you should be doing this. And yeah. Like, so this is what Phillips had to say about it. Same interview. If you're following following along with the sources, it's the homeschoolchristian.com interview. And I highly recommend that you read the whole thing if you have time. But this is what he said about sacrificial fatherhood spending time with his kids. Quote, here, the unqualified testimony of scripture is this. Fathers are to walk beside their sons until the time of emancipation. In the Bible, walking beside a son implies a continuous process of nurture and training. Fathers are to cry out for the hearts of their sons. They are to teach them the law of God. They are to prepare them for marriage and for life purpose. They are to see them established in a trade. These principles are embodied in the famous scripture passage of Deuteronomy 6 and are reiterated hundreds of times throughout scripture. Needless to say, this cannot be done if fathers spend a mere six minutes a day, the national average, with their children. Six minutes a day? That's like, mm, that's not great. Is that that's like it's not great, but I feel like that's like a, probably an old statistic. It's probably from like 1952 or something. I don't yeah. know. They're like, like mm. back when kids went to bed at 6 p.m. and dads get home got home from work at 5:30. It's homeschooling. All of the stuff that we've talked about with protecting your kids from the evils of the world and subsequently teaching them about the elephant man and the Loch Ness monster ad nauseum. So it's got all that, and then it's added the biblical patriarchy views, and it's added all of these responsibilities of fathers. The fatherhood stuff may sound slightly familiar from one of the Duggar episodes where we talked about S.M. Davis and his protocol for fixing rebellious teens, where you had to buy $400 worth of DVDs, and if you get the CDs, it may not work. Mm. It's it's like that. Uh, speaking of, so Doug Phillips, there is a connection to S.M. Davis, which I'm going to tell you about a little bit later, but Doug Phillips was also a personal friend of the Duggar family. He was the one who gave Michelle the Mother of the Year award for those who have seen that picture. Mm. Um, he, he's also like given them, according to one article I read, he's given them legal advice at times. Like for what? Like for Josh? I like don't know. For maybe for Josh his, got in trouble for maybe for like one of the first times that Josh had to run in with the law. I don't think he's involved with him at all now in his current legal battle. No, if I were a lawyer, I would not touch that shit with a 10 foot pole. Right. Do you have to like kind of wonder who his lawyers are? Well, I'm, somebody's got to be his. Maybe he's got a public defender. No, that he's would got be a hilarious. lawyer. He's got like a, a hired lawyer by his dad. Wow. Which makes you think like and like we fully support public defenders 100 percent one of my good friends is a public defender super important part of like having a fair legal system and working towards a fair legal system uh but super 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 people but i don't understand who would voluntarily represent josh duggar that seems i would like how much money though r kelly had people defending him that's true look if you pay if you pay lawyers enough money they will like you know, they will defend you. I think it's easy to underestimate exactly what biblical patriarchy is, though. It's it's really easy to oversimplify and characterize it just as an ideological viewpoint of the husband and father being in charge of the home, similar to what you might imagine the 1950s were like. The husband works, the wife stays at home, the husband... <laughs> Excuse me, the husband runs the bank accounts and you see commercials on TV like 
if you love your wife, you'll buy her this vacuum. Or a smart wife knows to buy this particular brand of coffee to have on the table when she cooks her husband breakfast before his hard day at work. Like, you know, the type of like the ads that show a husband spanking his wife because she burned his dinner or something. Yeah, it's like the fir- the ones they're making in the first season of Mad Men. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Pillsbury push button cake decorator. Yeah, it, I think it's easy to kind of characterize biblical patriarchy as that. Um, as a belief system, like a belief system and as a movement and just like a little bit of misogyny. And it's it really is much more in depth than that. It's not a cute, fun 1950s quaint ideology. It's a pervasive system of belief that informs a person's entire life. So how is this different than the stuff that we've talked about with the IBLP before? It's not. Uh, Doug Phillips was heavily involved with and referenced by the IBLP. But what I what I feel like I need to do is maybe state some things about biblical patriarchy in a better way than I had time to in the Duggar episodes. There are just a couple points that I wish I had hit, and I want to go back and get those. In that episode, I characterized biblical patriarchy as the dad being in charge of every element of the family. And that's not wrong. It's not incorrect. But from what I've been learning and reading since I did that episode, I think a better way of phrasing it might be the dad is the center of the family. I think that it's more than just the dad controlling everything and everybody it's the dad's schedule, goals, opinions, needs, everything being the absolute centerpiece of everything the family does. Like the like the dad has a life and the rest of the family is just participating in his life. They don't have lives of their own. I found a list of the tenets of biblical patriarchy, which I've linked. It was drafted by Phil Lancaster of Patriarch Magazine. That's a magazine? <sighs> Apparently, I'm just learning of this and I do not like it. Uh, but this this list of tenets is is endorsed by Doug Phillips. Imagine me like, oh, I'm at the dentist office, they have the latest <laughs> issue of Patriarch Magazine <laughs> right there with the Golf Digest in the car and driver. <laughs> okay, I was I was like feeling the rage bubble up when I had to read the words Patriarch Magazine, and you really made it go away. So I appreciate that. So there are 26 tenets. I was gonna read all of them, and I was like, yeah, f- that too many. Uh, so I'm going to pick a few to read so that you can get the picture. Like, I'm going to skip, skip yeah. a few of them. It's like a, a manifesto. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, so number one, God reveals himself as masculine, not feminine. God is the eternal father and the eternal son. The Holy Spirit is also addressed as he and Jesus Christ is a male. Jesus Christ is a male. That's a that's a strong take, man. Is Did, is any, know, Is anybody disputing that? Uh, some medieval artists might have been, maybe, possibly. It's just, it, it, it's just, it's just a, a little bit of a brain bender. It's probably what that's useful for, hmm. uh, not to base your theology off of, obviously. Uh, anyway, number two of, from this manifesto: both man and woman are made in God's image. Their human characteristics enable them to reflect His character, and they are both called to exercise dominion over the earth. They share an equal worth. As persons before God in creation and redemption, the man is also the image and glory of God in terms of authority, while the woman is the glory of the man. Okay. So God is so man is made in God's image, and then woman is made in man's image. So man is to serve God, and women are to serve men. That's what that means, especially their fathers and husbands, as fervently and as devotedly as men are to serve God. Number three, God ordained distinct gender roles for man and woman as part of the created order. 
Number four, although sin has distorted their relationship, God's order of authority for husbands and wives has not changed. There's a section on family, church, and state that I'm skipping. Number 12, while men are called to public spheres of dominion beyond the home, their dominion begins within the home, and a man's qualification to lead and ability to lead well in the public square is based on his prior success in ruling his household. Number 13, since the woman was created as a helper to her husband, as the bearer of children, and as a keeper at home, the God-ordained and proper sphere of dominion for a wife is the household and that which is connected with the home. Although her domestic calling as a representative of and helper to her husband may well involve activity in the marketplace and larger community. Skipping down to number 22, both sons and daughters are under the command of their fathers as long as they are under his roof or otherwise the recipients of his provision and protection. Fathers release sons from their jurisdiction to undertake a vocation, prepare a home, and take a wife. Until she is given in marriage, a daughter continues under her father's authority and protection. So the translation for that one is children are property and daughters are double property. Uh, Number 23, fathers should oversee the process of a son or daughter seeking a spouse. So those, those are like some of the main tenets of biblical patriarchy. Yes, the father gets to decide what colored nail polish you can wear and who you marry. But there are also layers upon layers upon layers of brainwashing telling people, especially young women, that they should build their lives, their actions, and even their thought patterns around their father. Interesting. Okay. So, so huh. I feel like that I feel like that is is kind of the puzzle piece that I was missing on biblical patriarchy. So I wanted to fill that in. And we have like the actual like rules to it. Okay. Yeah. So the the whole thing is that it's like an analogy where as as man is to God, that is woman to man. Yes, exactly. Huh. Yeah. That, that that puts everything in perspective. Okay. Yeah, hmm. and I feel like I think I think I, I breezed through it in the Duggar episode and I didn't get it wasn't that I got it wrong. It's just that I didn't quite go deep enough and I wanted to make sure that I clarified that. Does that make more sense to you now? Yes. Okay. That makes, that makes perfect. I don't like it, but like, it makes sense to me. Like the, the, the like where this is coming from. Yeah. Where this is, what they're thinking behind this is. Okay. Huh. Uh, so why don't we go to break here and then we'll come back and we'll talk about a, a vision forum itself and let's, the organization. Okay. Let's do it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, that group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. So we are back from our break. We are here. We talked about biblical patriarchy in the first half uh and just a bit of background on that but now we are here to talk about doug phillips organization itself called vision forum so this is like an advocacy organization are they doing lobbying are they providing teaching materials what are what's going on with them what's their mo what do they do so vision forum was doing a couple of different things as far as i can find it was not doing any legal defense the nonprofit side was doing some lobbying work, running a blog, providing brochures about biblical education and biblical patriarchy. I wasn't able to find a lot of information about what exactly the nonprofit side was doing aside from that. The for-profit side was, this is interesting and slightly unique, the for-profit side was sending out catalogs with books, toys, and clothing for children that were meant to promote this method of child-rearing. So they're... Are they popular in fundy circles? Is Vision Forum like a popular – I guess it's not like a denomination, but it's like a – It's a a camp. camp. Okay. It it depends on your definition of popular. We've talked before about fundy camps. So you have the Hiles camp, which is probably the largest in the IFB. And then you have the anti-Hiles camp that's not associated with the IBLP, but like they're they're just IFB, but they hate Hiles. Uh, you have groups of churches and colleges that all run together and associate with each other, like the NIFB. Like they're just they're just these groups, and they can be insular or they might associate with others of the groups. And then the IBLP is like its own thing. They very rarely are closely associated with Hiles Camp or other IFB camps. Uh, the IBLP people tend to kind of stay to themselves because they have all these extra rules from Bill Gothard. And they do courtship, not dating, and they do things very differently. So they tend to not want to associate with like the regular IFB. One big thing that another big thing other than the rules that makes IBLP not want to associate with IFB as much and there being little crossover is the IFB, especially the Hiles camp and the camp meeting IFBs and the NIFBs are more into like the histrionics, the clapping after songs that are sung in church, jumping up and down and shouting amen, pastors that are that are shouting and slamming their fists on the pulpit, uh, the more like down-home, old-school, southern gospel style of music. So like the Hiles mm. camp is seen as um, too effusive, like, oh, they just wear it all on their sleeve. Like tacky is how they are seen by the IBLP. The IBLP and Vision Forum run more on the other side of that spectrum, like longer skirts, quieter women, a huge obsession with classical education. Uh, if a fundy kid is learning Latin, that that is a dead giveaway that they either go to Hammond Baptist or their IBLP. <laughs> the the music or is, huh? Vision Forum. Well, the IBLP and Vision Forum are not the same thing, but they're the same camp. Okay, so, so it's like a, a like a Venn diagram that's not quite a circle. Yes, very much. Okay. So... 
uh, over on the IBLP side, the music is slower and more classical. They court instead of date. And of course, the patriarchy, I don't know if I would say that it's actually stronger, but it's expressed in much more obvious ways. But this is the thing about Vision Forum. The nonprofit side really seemed to focus on that IBLP camp, spreading these views about virtuous boyhood and biblical patriarchy, really pushing for boys working with their hands and playing war games, pushing for girls to be stay-at-home daughters and sewing and cooking and doing domestic duties. All of that philosophical stuff is in line with the IBLP. So the, the nonprofit side lined up really closely with IBLP. But the for-profit side was a lot more universal. They toned down those beliefs to be acceptable to more diverse camps within the IFB. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So it's kind of like the way that that Abeka is going to try, you know what I'm saying? They're going to try to appeal to more different kinds of people who just want to homeschool and also people who are like super hardcore about all that. Okay. Yes. It's like how like Abeka has some like racist views and sexist views in their curriculum, but they tone them way down and they phrase them in backhanded ways to be appealing to like conservative southern baptist families it's got to be all dog whistles when they're talking about the crazy stuff okay yes and hardcore extreme fundamentalists okay so they're selling toys they're selling educational materials and just generally biblically approved stuff over at vision forum Yeah. yeah but not just approved stuff it's toys that were specifically designed to help your child discover and fulfill their biblical gender role Toys specifically made to reinforce the tenets of biblical patriarchy. And this is actually where I encountered Vision Forum growing up. Oh, really? So did Vision Forum make your teddy bear? No. Uh, We did get their catalogs, but a lot of their stuff was just too expensive for my family. So if y'all want to take a look at this catalog, I've linked, I found a PDF of one, I think it's from 2007. Uh, But this, there, there's, there's one of these online that you can take a look at. Okay. So yeah, it's I am the 2007 catalog. I am perusing the PDF of this catalog right now. Yeah, um, I pulled it up as well so we can look at it together. The so the front half it looks like there's like a lot of pages in here. Uh the front half is like heavy on history books, educational material, stuff about biblical patriotism. Yeah, lots of patriotism, uh lots of intricate printed artwork of like George Washington looks like a, there's a bride and groom on page 23. There's two little boys pointing at a picture on page 27. Uh, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, CDs about how to, let's see, let's see, here's a CD. Seven Bible Truths Violated by Christian Dating. Why Satan Wants Your Firstborn and What to Do About It. Zucker should have gotten that one. <laughs> <laughs> the aesthetic, though. Yeah, like it's it's beautifully done, right? Yeah. Like consider the contrast between this and like the graphics design is my passion work that you usually see coming out of Fundyland. This is like leagues better than I'm used to. Okay, this is like from 2007, but like if this came out today, people would still, you know what I'm saying? Like this catalog, it looks like it was printed on very glossy paper. It's got like maps in the background. It's got textured backdrops. Uh, yeah, like my uh, my mother in law is a big catalog shopper, 
she mm. just that's so she just i don't know if, like how much she buys she just likes looking through catalogs of nice things and this looks like something that she might get and the, but like at the top it says like biblical patriarchy or home sweet school in like the the font that's very official look like very you know american democracy looking font yes <laughs> like there's going to be like a flag in the background but like a, a, a like a waving flag background not just like a I mean, it's, it doesn't look like you could not print this at a Kinko's. No, like this is a real I like I've held one of these look through one of these in real life. It they feel professional. They, they feel slick, like like a secular catalog and a nice one. Yeah, like, it, like the Lego catalog. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm looking at the prices. Oh, so the prices here, they, I mean, they don't seem horribly outlandish. Like there's like, a, you, OK, this is a hardcover book about george washington for 18 dollars. that's not that bad a book like uh manly men write manly letters which examines the letters of theodore roosevelt apparently <laughs> what's the modern day equivalent of that manly men write many manly instagram dms <laughs> <laughs> no okay but so like i'm flipping through towards like the back of this catalog uh, there is a toy section in the back of this catalog and it looks like what they so they've got here knockoff american girl dolls is what it looks like to me right so there's four yeah. there's four dolls there's two white ones there's like one with blonde hair and one with brown hair there's a a, a brown skin colored doll and there's a black skin colored doll um which i i mean that's good you have to have different dolls yeah i was actually you know. surprised that they had some diversity in this that's true i thought that it was just gonna be like white blonde like barbie you know, yeah, you know what i'm saying I'm no, but you have to have diversity in dolls, diversity in toys for 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 children. You know that, that's that's good. No, I think Approve that's great. of that. Yeah, but they look like you know bootleg American girl dolls, and they'll I guess sell you different costumes for them. Yeah, I looked at these, and as someone who had an American girl doll, I have to wonder if they were. I, I don't even. Maybe they were even made from the same mold. They look so similar. Are they reverse like the, engineered like one. A, there's like a very particular hand shape on American Girl dolls, and it looks like these dolls have that same hand shape. Really? Okay. So they do. I mean, they do look really similar. I, my yeah. sister had one. I also noticed that two of the dolls are named after two of his daughters, which I think is I think that's sweet. Oh, that is sweet. I mean, that like uh, one thing I'm seeing is that the costumes are based on real people. Yeah. Like so, so there's a Sacagawea costume. There's a Maria von Trapp costume. There's a uh, Princess Kailani. And there's, of course, you know, very on brand for Doug Phillips, as we have have said before, a Titanic dress. Yes. Yeah. So it's it seems like the situation. Like so, say American Girl dolls are Lego. These dolls are Mega Bloks. But like, if Mega Bloks <laughs> were super Christian. <laughs> I, I feel like we should point out that fundies love the sound of music. Okay, sound of music is really good, though. Oh, dude, you know what? Oh, look at this. They've got all those Elsie Densmore books that you were telling me about. Yeah, and that is the printing that I had. So, really? yeah, so I'm just finding out now that maybe my parents did buy me something out of this catalog. So, you got, so, wow. Okay, so you got this catalog. So, say it's November. Or December, and you, like they, that's I assume when they're sending out this catalog because that's when all the good toy ca catalogs come out. You know, you get this catalog. What out of here is what you want? Um. Well, none of the stuff from the girls' side, really, because the the, the girls' stuff is like, oh, let me see. So it's a lot of books. 
uh, dolls and dresses for the dolls, but I already had an American Girl doll, so I didn't need this. And they also have dresses for the girls, so you can dress up. Dresses in the same for dresses the girls. I did like those. Like I would, I would have gone for that for sure. Tea sets and like stamp kits. Oh, I might have had. Oh shoot! Now that I'm looking through it more closely, I think I had that stamp kit too. Hmm. Maybe. Is is stamp collecting really like a, a? No, it's not stamp collecting. It's like stamping, like 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 inking things up and putting them on paper and making like stamps. Oh, not postage stamps, stamps. Like you know, like like a like a legal is that person. A feminine thing, I guess, to train you to be like a notary. No, I don't think it's. A, I think it's just like it's all floral stuff. It's to train you to be f-ing bored all the time. Is what it is. Wow. But there's like pewter needle cases and sewing scissors and uh prairie bonnets and i would have wouldn't have been too too interested in all that no No. what i really wanted was all of the stuff from the boys catalog so when you get to the boys section of this catalog there is no comparison on the first page of the like the boys toys section of this catalog okay there is swords They've got swords, okay? For $48, you can get a 51-inch, what they call a William Wallace sword. That's a Braveheart sword for the uninitiated. You know, they can take our lives, but they can never take our freedom. (laughs) Yeah, like, the boys had, like, they had swords. They had so much cool stuff. Girls get their bootleg American girl dolls. Boys get f***ing swords. The boys can have books about George Washington's spy network. I would have loved that. Shit. Secret codes. Oh. I would have loved that. I loved like codes and code breaking as a kid. They have a K bar in this catalog. Do you know what a K bar? A K bar is a big military knife. Yeah. Like the the Marines use. I think like the okay. Oh, whole, there's a whole like World War II costume. You can dress up as a GI and pretend to kill some Nazis, dude. This catalog rocks oh my god i can't believe you didn't even mention the crossbow the crossbow the, the oh crossbow my. with suction cup darts on oh, it that sh- i would have been i would have just put real darts in it and shot it at my sister and then my dad would have taken it away and smashed it with a hammer <laughs> <laughs> wow well yeah like i mean what would you do if you had a, a son and he had like a, a toy crossbow he shot his sister with it you take it away you break it you're like no, no you can't have take- this no, I would have taken it away and locked it someplace where he couldn't get it and said, you can have it back in six months. And if you shoot it at your sister again, then I'm going to break it. No, I would just like I would just would would no, my parents see, would like, have never gotten me that to begin with because they would have known I would have <laughs> shot my sister. With- <laughs> no, see, it's I would true. like I, I mean, number one, I can't I don't throw things away. It's just like. Uh, it's it's a really 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 good thing that I have a husband who's a bit minimalist and makes me throw things away <laughs> but like I have a really hard time throwing anything away so it would have been getting locked up for like six months like, okay well you can have it oh, back it smashed yeah no so yeah. but yeah the, the, so the boys had slingshots camping gear chemistry sets oh like, they have a zip line. Kit. Look a at this. zip line. Okay, look if you're so if you're like one of the bougie fundies, like Vision Forum bougie fundy who, who can afford this stuff, your childhood would have been lit. Oh my god! Uh, only if you were a boy, man. But that backyard zip line, man, that looks so cool, man. Okay, also, also though, I feel like that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. It's against <laughs> the Bible for Christians to sue each other, so Vision Forum's got nothing to worry about. We, so we keep bringing that up. 
We need okay. Eventually, we're gonna do an episode all about how Christians can't sue each other and how they deal with that stuff. Uh, yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna have to. Anyway, yeah. this is how I encountered Vision Forum as a fundy child, which was wanting like two things from the girls catalog and then like every single thing in the boys section of this catalog. Mm. And I wouldn't like I wouldn't say I was a tomboy growing up. I was more the type of child like I wanted to put on a pretty like fluffy i loved like pretty dresses with lace and like especially like big poofy skirts and poofy sleeves i was so into that but i wanted to put on my like super pretty fluffy dress and then put my dolls in a backpack and climb up the tallest tree i could find and then sit up there and read a book like i wasn't the type to just like want all boy stuff all the time but the girl stuff in this catalog just seemed so boring and the boy stuff just seemed so cool yeah so you're not Arya stark but you're not sansa either not 100% sure what that means, but I trust your judgment. Yeah. So did you notice that in addition to the admittedly very cool boys toys, uh, there was Give Me Your Heart, My Son on CD in this catalog? I did not pay attention to that because the CDs were in the boring part of the catalog. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> so you just want – so if we do a Christmas gift exchange this year, do you want the slingshot or like the GI costume? Like what am I getting you from this cow? You're getting me a sword, Sadie. You, you are getting a sword? Me, yeah. Okay. What, what, the William Wallace sword? Or one of the, the fences. Oh, how big is – is they say it's what, 40, 51 inches? Is that as big as like an adult size sword or is that like a big sword for a child, but like a small sword for an adult? That's a big sword for a child. That would be an average size sword for an adult. Okay. Uh, so, so give me your heart. My son is recordings from a father son retreat. And it caught my eye because this is the thing that is supposed to be the capstone to that whole SM Davis rebellious child protocol. So I thought that if you did the S.M. Davis Rebellious Child Protocol incompletely, then it would make your kid worse than they were already. That's what he said. And he also said that the CDs, which he was selling, wouldn't work. So I don't I don't know. That guy's full of inconsistencies. I'm not sure what's going on with that. I'm assuming that like the fundies, though, right? Because, you know, we've talked about it. There's a hierarchy. So if you're full on like vision forum, that type of fundy, then you've got to be like near the top, right? Because, like, they wouldn't be selling expensive toys if nobody was buying expensive toys. So everything is a hierarchy with the fundies, and Vision Forum is near the top of the hierarchy for their camp. In the other camps of the IFB, like the one that I grew up in, it would have been just another Christian publishing company. Like, a, a publishing company with a good name and a high reputation, sure. But, like, it's not – but nothing nothing special. So that's interesting to me because, like, you've always described the IFB as a group that, like, takes your money, takes your time, takes your energy. I guess if somebody's got money and they like the IFB – there's got to be a camp that's going to cater to them because they're not going to want to give away all their money. Yeah. The only way that you can sell poverty to people is if they're already broke. Oh, that's good. You should tweet that one. <laughs> you can't sell poverty to people that already have money that you're going to be like, oh, wait, so you're telling me that I have to give you like X amount of nah, I'm absolutely not doing that. I'm going yeah. to this like. So you've got to tell people, OK, it's OK that you can have a lot of money. Here's your expensive toys that you can have for your kids. Yeah. You can keep your money. Just join our church. Yeah. So so let me try to like let me try to to tease this out for you in a way that's going to make a little more sense. So the IFB as a whole is predominantly blue collar and they glorify poverty. And I loved that statement that you just made. If you can only sell poverty to somebody who's already poor, it's such a brilliant tactic. 
However, the IBLP is a different story. Some IBLP families are very, very poor because they have way too many kids that they can't afford. But there are also a lot of IBLP families that are that are very well off, and I'm not sure what the dynamic of that looks like in a church. Like Jim Bob Duggar, he was really uh, pretty poor when his kids were little, like the first like 14 kids. But then he got the TLC deal, and he made a lot of money off of that, but he has also spun that money into tons of of rental properties and used car lots and business rentals in his area. Like he owns the buildings for restaurants and he owns uh, apartments and rental houses and all of this stuff. So he's set for life based on his real estate investments. The IBLP teaches you how to do that, how to flip houses or how to invest in real estate. They they have like systems and tips that they teach to their members on how to do this. There are, there are lots of people in the IBLP that have, you know, well off compared to me growing up as a child, for sure. Yeah, but that's then, not saying much. Yeah, you have to you have to think about my perspective. In my perspective, if you can't tell me what the off-brand is, like the Aldi off-brand for every name brand of cereal, then you grew up wealthy. So like, so I I, I know that my perspective on this is, is different than yours anyway. So back, back to the, like the glorification of poverty in the IFB. There are people at First Baptist Church of Hammond. There are families that have construction companies or plumbing companies or something like that. And that's a common path to financial independence or maybe a little bit better than independence in the IFB. Living below the poverty line, barely getting by, it's common within both the IFB and IBLP, but there are also always some families that have money. But Vision Forum, so that was started by a lawyer. So are they trying to get more professional class of people than like say the blue collar people that the IFB is usually going for? I wouldn't say professional because it's not about the industry that the father works in. I would say highbrow. There is a lot of crossover between this kind of fundamentalism and white supremacy. Don't have time to explain all of it, but I've linked an article for further reading if you'd like to read that. But th- th- this is very, very, very tied to like the the concept of like poor whites or white trash or white supremacy and white supremacy. Hmm. The, the the ties are very obvious. I, I'm sorry. I I wish I had time. Uh, there's a lot of people who are very much about their status, and that it's it's not a pursuit of money. It's a pursuit of status, and that tends to this glorification of the past, this almost worship of history. I'm sure I don't have to tell you that white supremacists really tend to idolize certain historical periods. So I know the type of person that you're talking about, the types that are really into quote unquote Western culture, you know, that like yeah. that's a dog whistle though. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So this is different from normal IFB. Okay. Yeah. And, hmm. uh, Doug Phillips wrote a poem and an entire book about R.L. Dabney calling him a prophet and a great apologist. Dabney was a writer who said that if slavery were, were abolished and suffragettes got their way with feminism, then the country would fall into moral decay because of the dangerous, evil women and people of color. So that's the kind of guy that, that Phillips idolizes. Vision Forum is casting a wide net to all fundies with their for-profit like sales side. But their real target audience is that kind of person, like the IBLP, the more highbrow, like more refined type of fundamentalist and then if other fundamentalists like people from the ifb like the mainstream ifb if they want to buy stuff from that catalog too great 
So does that make sense why I had really only yeah. encountered this like through the catalog? It was tangential, but it wasn't something that you were like directly involved with because you weren't. We weren't Vision Forum's target audience. We were like a secondary audience that they didn't mind picking up some sales from. Right. Like the IFB, it's, it's racist. We talked about that. Not like explicitly trying to be super racist. Yeah. So like the IFB, the, yes, of course, they're racist. They're misogynistic. They're unreasonably obsessed with the founding fathers. But this vision forum stuff is a completely new level of that. And those weren't the circles that we ran in. Yeah, right. Because your branch would have been more plain spoken. This branch would have been more like hoity toity. Exactly. My branch is from the root of J. Frank Norris with the brain in the jar, the root of Jack Hiles, who would talk about what a simple man he was. My branch of the IFB had coffee and styrofoam cups at the Valentine's banquet. This branch would really turn their nose up at that. So what's the IFB equivalent of like cognac and cigars? I really don't know. But what I do know is that the IBLP and Vision Forum are just not the types to guzzle Mountain Dew to stay awake through a weekend of busing little kids to church. Not the type to advertise a motor- motorcycle jump in the parking lot or swallow a goldfish. All of those like IFB distinctives, like their distinctive like hyper personalities like that you the, find in the IFB that is that is like so tacky to the IBLP. I mean, it is kind of tacky. They do have a point. All of like the yeah, I mean, it is stuff. Tacky. Yeah, <laughs> it is tacky. But um, the I think that people tend to conflate these groups because the beliefs are so identical, like almost completely identical. They're not though. Well, the practice They're, from the outside, yeah. like the stuff you see, looks so much the same. Like oh, long skirts, long hair. You don't touch before you're married. Uh, this that you go to church all the time you read the bible from a from a broad lens they look so similar but when you get up close you can see that there really is a fair bit of difference uh there really is a, a bit of space between the ifp and the iblp for my fellow handmaid's tale fans i do have to point out the chilling similarity between this and gilead if you look at that vision forum catalog it is exactly what you think is sent to like the commander's uh, and their wives, well, I guess the commanders, because their wives can't read, to pick out toys for their little Gilead children. What If you're a cult survivor, do like have watch with caution, of course, for The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, personally, I find it really cathartic, but I know some people can't handle it. I want to move on to something, uh, because as you know, I know almost nothing about Vision Forum. But when I Googled it, the first thing that popped up in true IFB fundy fashion was a sex scandal involving... The leader doug phillips like you google vision yeah. forum first thing that pops up is vision forum leader sex scandal nanny yep yeah so no matter what fundy camp you're in no matter how well pre- how well you present yourself there's always going to be a sex scandal like almost it's almost like i know this may sound wild but it's almost like men who believe and have been taught that they are animals with uncontrollable desires and that all women are sinful seductresses who tempt men to sin by their mere existence and that men are meant to have dominion over the world and everything in it, including women. It's almost like men who are taught that are more likely to be sexual predators. See, this is the most predictable common theme that comes from knowing anything about fundamentalism is that there's always going to be a man in authority who is going to abuse his power. I'm really coming to the conclusion that this is just a truth about humanity. You give a person too much power, they're going to abuse it. And if you don't have checks and balances, people are going to cheat the system. 
it's not that people who are fundamentalists are automatically predators. It's that fundamentalists give individuals too much power. They don't give them checks and balances and they feed them these toxic theologies that make them think they have even more power. So they do what what humans do and abuse that power. And when they do abuse that power and they get called out for it, they give them more and more and more chances that... Uh, of course, I'm going to put a standard TW here. We're once again about to talk about a case of sexual assault and sexual abuse because, of course, we are. Honestly, if you're listening to this show, there is a greater than 50% chance that you're going to hear about that coming up anyway, like in any yep. episode. But so yeah. for his seven or eight children. I'm sorry, that's not specific. I saw things from what should have been good sources that mentioned both seven and eight children, but I wasn't able to find a name for the eighth, so I'm confused. For his many children, Doug Phillips and his wife employed a nanny who started working. So she met Phillips and his wife when she was a teenager and did some babysitting and nannying work for them from the time she was like 15 or 16. Yeah, but that's pretty standard, right? That's yeah, not that and, and I'm certainly not shaming anyone who has seven or eight children from having for having a nanny. No. Uh, I'm not shaming anyone who has one child for having a nanny. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's a little ironic that these people, they're all about women being these domestic goddesses who can handle anything, but the ones with a bunch of kids cannot handle it without either hiring help or parentifying their older girls. Yeah, so you don't want a Michelle Duggar laundry room situation, so you got to have a nanny. Yeah, but yeah. mothers' helpers and teenage girls working as nannies—it's it, not uncommon within these circles. You've done that. Yeah, you, you've helped with uh, children from from church families. Yeah, I, I think that working as a live-in nanny is a bit more uncommon because a lot of these duties would typically fall to the oldest daughter or daughters. But the Phillips had seven children. They're, they're, at least their first seven were all very close together. So it, it stands to reason that they, that they would need some help. Under biblical patriarchy, teenagers, especially young women, can be considered adults in the range of 15 to 17 years old. I don't like that. I think that there are some problems with that. There are some problems with yeah. that, but don't freak out yet. Doug Phillips is a certified grade A despicable creep. But he's no alleged Dave Hiles. So so don't 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 uh, okay. infer too much, thankfully. In certain circles of this movement, certainly not all circles, you will see a lot of 16, 17-year-old brides, which uh. reminds me that we need to do an episode on Maranatha Chapman. Uh y'all listeners tweet at me or let me know on Facebook how excited you are about a Maranatha Chapman episode, because I can bump that up if Yikes. you're super into it. 16 7 brides. Ugh. No. Maranatha was 15, but we're, we'll, I'll tell you about it. It's definitely a big yikes, but this is just like, I'm just setting up for like what this young woman's position would have been in the world. There is no underage sexual abuse in this story. So at, that's at least one good thing. So Doug Phillips and his wife met this young woman, Lourdes Torres, in 1999 when she was 15. And over the next eight years, according to her and her lawyer, he groomed her by naming himself as her spiritual mentor. She was often in his home and cared for his children. And she went on trips all over the entire world with his family. Wow. I mean, that's a huge red flag. Like anytime there's an older man and like a teenage girl that he's like mentoring, there's an 80% chance that something untoward is going down. No, you're right. And 
in this IBLP world, it's a little bit extra weird because while Lourdes would have been seen as a semi-adult at this age, uh, she also would have still been seen as under the headship of her father. So Doug putting inserting himself into her life as kind of like a, a spiritual father or a mentor is still very weird. In 2007, when Lourdes was 21, Phillips had her and possibly her family, I've seen it reported both ways, move into his home. And then in October of 2007, what Phillips calls an inappropriate relationship and what Lourdes calls sexual assault begin. So he's claiming it was consensual. Yes. So Phillips' response to her allegations rests on two main facts. Both of these facts are true and match Lourdes' story. So number one, uh, they both agree that she was over 21 when any sexual contact began. And number two, they both agree that there was never penetrative sex between the two of them. So she's living there. Her whole family is living there. If she says yes to something and she doesn't have an option of saying no because she's afraid of like retaliation, that's still assault. Exactly. And that's That's exactly what she claims happened. So interesting fact, do you remember the attorney with the suit that you had a field day criticizing on the video where the church elders tell the First Baptist Church of Hammond congregation that Jack Scott committed a crime? Eddie Lapina? No, he works for the church. David Gibbs, the older guy who talks like this. Oh, yeah, that guy. I remember that I'm guy. David Gibbs, and I'm an attorney for the First Baptist Church of Hammond. Sorry, I had to do my David Gibbs because I know that if my dad hears this episode, he's going to love it. Yeah. Uh, So his son is now a victim advocate and does legal work for people like Lourdes. And he's her lawyer. Hey, good for him. He's like semi gotten out and is like doing really good work. Anyway, Fundy Land is a small world. So Lourdes says that it's true that it started after she was 21. It's true that there was never penetrative sex. But what she says happened is still completely stomach turning and gross. (sighs) need like a shot to deal with this yikes so she says that shortly after she moved into the phillips house doug began coming into her bedroom at night where he would fondle her masturbate over her and ejaculate onto her as she begged him to stop so like louis ck kind of but like in person and i cannot imagine how traumatizing and awful this must have been for her yeah that's fucking gross that's like really disgusting like it's gross to begin with but also Uh, this was her spiritual leader this is the man who had for years pledged to protect her and her virtue he said that she was like a daughter to him he's preaching all of these things about purity and she's got the additional trauma of extreme purity culture and body shame and all of that she said that she would often cry during these encounters which really has the ring of truth to me um Mm. because that that really tracks just from what I know of, of this movement, she didn't feel empowered to try to shove him out of the room. She didn't feel like she could stand up to him and say no. So she was just kind of stuck there crying and begging him to stop. Yeah. Yikes. And like, even if this is consensual, which I highly doubt it, like I'm, nobody wants that done to them. That's what he's like. Yeah, that's what I did to her. Like, no, nobody wants that. Like, like that that's still definitely not allowed in the IFB or the IBLP or whatever fundamentalist group that you're in. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yikes, so I mean, I don't I don't want to I don't want to like kink shame any consenting adults, but I would say that's pretty um uncommon for somebody to ask for. Uh, Especially if they've never like if you're like 
21 year old like you don't even know what Race that is purity culture no like that's you don't that's even not know what that is yeah like he's like so obviously exposing obviously. yourself to and inappropriately touching someone who isn't your wife is a big no-no in any fundamentalist group i mean that's a big no-no in 99.9 percent of christian groups 100 percent of christian groups if it's not consensual yeah Ew. But this is actually – that's not the whole story. This is actually double bad because this is the IBLP and he ejaculated on her and that's also a sin in the IBLP because that's semen that could have been used for baby making. Oh, right. Because in IBLP speak, it's a sin to waste a man's seed. 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 Ew. Yes. Just yeah, everything no, about this is just like – yeah, I'm so hung up on how yeah, weird the, the seed thing is. The seed. Um, it just gets me. No, not giving God the opportunity to make a baby from any sexual encounter is also a sin. So this poor girl is living through not only being sexually assaulted on a regular basis, but also having it done in a way that is so counterintuitive to what she's been taught by the perpetrator her entire life. So what what happens to this guy, Doug? He, well, he get in trouble or does he get off easy? What's going well, on? Well, it went on for a few years before he got caught. Years. Lourdes worked for Vision Forum. And even after she moved out of the Phillips house in 2008, the same kind of contact, uh, conduct continued from Doug while she was at work. At work? Yeah. Ah. Like, like he was he was a part of her entire life. So he could find her anywhere, anytime that he mm. wanted to just randomly assault her. And she's she's getting jizzed on by this guy for five years. Ew. I'm trying this not to gag on the podcast. <laughs> creepy ass. Ew. That poor girl. Oh, man, that's fucking gross. Yes. It's terrible. Oh, so, he, so she says that guy. he told her that his wife would die soon. So he was just waiting for his wife to die so that he could marry her and then it would all be okay. So there's another like fucked up layer on this up cake because he was literally telling her that he intended to keep getting his wife pregnant until it eventually killed her so that he could take a younger wife who he had been sexually abusing for five years so that that younger wife could give him more babies what the fuck yeah so that's that's what, what she fuck? alleges which Ew. i certainly believe uh just this have guy to, just have to throw out that it's, a, it's an allegation this guy uh, sucks so oh, lourdes torres admits that she did at one point believe that she was in love with him Phillips makes a defense by saying that she, quote, welcomed and initiated this physical contact at times, and that she asked for gifts of money, jewelry, etc., and special favors from him. Gibbs, her attorney, points out that she was groomed by this man from the time that she was a child, and of course she thought she was in love, because brainwashing, but whether or not she ever initiated contact, although she says that she did not, whether or not she did is a moot point because Philip's position of authority meant that she could never freely consent regardless. And she's still like, she's working for this guy. He's doing it at work. She worked for, for him years. for years. She even appeared in vision forum, promotional images and videos. And she's basically trapped in the situation. She's, she's like a live in nanny for this guy's kids. Her family lives. And this is the only job she's ever had. If she leaves, that's her reputation in the toilet because he can basically just blackball her. You know, he might be like, your family's got to move out too. That's all. And yeah, and man. it's unclear like how long exactly she or her family lived with the Phillips. Uh, but, but they're she, dependent on him. 
but there but she definitely worked for him the entire time at Vision Forum. And as the years went on, as she kind of got cold feet and wanted to back out of of what was going on, he told her that not only would she get him fired and quote ruin his ministry if she told on him, she would also get disciplined by the church herself. So yeah, so if she tells the only world she's ever known comes crashing down around her. If she tells, she's going to lose everything. Yeah. Or at least that's what he's telling her. And that's how they keep people silent, man. That's yeah. that's what they do. Since I'm already mad, if you have ever told a victim not to come forward because they would ruin someone's ministry, I hope you go pray to whatever God you believe in now and beg for forgiveness. That is one of the most evil, despicu- despicable, manipulative phrases ever to come out of the IFB. If you're guilty of using it, that doesn't mean I hate you because we have all done things that we are all of us who have come out have done things that we're not proud of. Uh, but if you have used that phrase, you need to repent. Whatever repentance means for you now, whether you remain Christian or not, I don't care, but you need to you need to get that straight. Also, I mean, it's worth pointing out, Doug Phillips ruined his own ministry with this yes. horrible, despicable behavior. Uh, that's what makes him lose credibility, not allegations. It's like it's the actions themselves that make you not credible. Yes. She didn't ruin his ministry. He ruined his ministry. Scott's victim didn't ruin his ministry. Scott ruined his ministry. An article that I've linked for you is from a blogger. It's extremely long. Not that I have any room to talk about long things Mm. uh, like podcast episodes, but this blogger makes a very good point. Uh, Biblical patriarchy in theory would say that it is this woman's fault. Maybe she dressed provocatively. True biblical patriarchy would have Phillips marry this woman, take her as a second wife, because in the Bible, that is the restitution for what he has done. That or he would have to pay her pay to her father the bride price for her. Phillips half-assed excuses aren't even living up to his own teachings. So what's happened to him? Obviously, he gets sued by her. Does he get to retain leadership in his ministry or what's what's going on with the vision oh, for him? Ministry goes up in flames. Good. So Lourdes became her own hero in 2012. And I I like using that phrase about people who have stood up to their abusers. Like they have become their own hero. Like Joy Evans writer is her own hero. And I think that that they should be, the people like that should be our heroes too. Uh, But Lourdes left the church, left vision, vision forum. And she told her parents and told a friend about what had been happening to her for years. The other elders of the church, remember how I said they don't have a pastor, but they had like a group of elders. The other elders confronted Phillips about this and there was tons of back and forth and church drama about that, uh, which is also in the further reading links that I've, that I provided, but they put so much pressure on him after like a year, he stepped down from his position as an elder in the church. A year? I think it took several months to a year. Wow. I don't have that particular article open, but it'll be in the it'll be in the sources for you to check it out. He stepped down from his position as an elder. He stepped down from the presidency of Vision Forum. There, like, there was just, like a whole bunch of crap about from him about the media campaign to attack him, and uh, his wife stood by him and was like, "Oh, this is just they're just you know slandering." It was a consensual relationship. He goes on and on about how her allegations are mostly false and it was a consensual affair. Basically, just like a lot of lawyer CYA that's pretty boring coming is, from him. Do you ever watch old interviews with R. Kelly? Yeah, I've seen a few. So you know the one where. Uh, I think it's with Tori where he's like, Tori asks him, Hey, R. Kelly, do you like teenage girls? And then R. Kelly's like, 
when you say teenage, like how old are we talking here? Like 19, yeah. 18, like, but like later in that interview, Tori's like, there's a lot of people around you that are saying that you have a problem where you like underage girls. And like, obviously now we know that was absolutely 100% true. And he's like, well, those people, they just don't know Robert. And, um, there's a lot of people who are, are trying oh, to don't take know Robert. Me I've seen that they're, they're trying to take me down because they have problems with me. And there's this whole campaign against me. Like you make a lot of enemies if you're in my bit, like it's literally like the exact same thing. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, I have a lot of enemies. They're manufacturing a conspiracy against me. No, you did that. So I've recently <laughs> been informed by a listener that it was passed around as fact at First Baptist Church of Hammond that Scop's victim purposely and blatantly intended to get him to sleep with her in order to destroy him on purpose. What? Yeah, I, I find this highly suspect, of course. Uh, I think this rumor was started from the leadership to try to restore order. But yeah, same defense that every nasty abuser uses. So like, but like also, so what if that was true? Like he still exactly. had he still had to do it. Like if a 17-year-old girl says, "Hey, we should have sex and you're a 50-year-old man, you can always say, "No, I don't think that's a good idea. We absolutely should not. Please leave." You can leave the room. Yeah. You can you can stand up and walk away. What's she going to do? Like no. If you don't do anything, then you you just you can't get in trouble for you it. can just not do that yeah i don't know maybe this is just me but i, I just i i have never accidentally had sex with someone like has that have you no. i did i don't know this never happened like outside of of like assault and coercion which are obviously different things yeah people have tried to like talk me into having sex with them like adult people that i just didn't want to have sex with and i just managed to not do it like it's amazing so it's amazing to talk somebody into it that's automatically a bad sign it, you know it is saying? and it's a red flag and that's why yeah. a lot of times that's a, a lot of a lot of the situations i'm talking about that's the very reason that i didn't do it but it's amazing you just don't have to have sex with someone that you don't want to unless like, like unless you're in a in a situation where you're being assaulted or being coerced which is different i mean he still did it he's still that's the whole thing like what happens to Phillips? Phillips' defenses are not being taken any more seriously by the rest of the world than they are by us. Good. Uh, Torres sued him for damages. Uh, she sued him for in civil court for the maximum amount, which is $1 million and up. Uh, after about two years, the lawsuit was settled out of court. We know that she got a financial settlement. The amount is sealed. And it seems like there was probably a two-way NDA involved. Because not much has been heard from either one of them since. But he didn't go to jail. He doesn't have to register as a sex offender. No, unfortunately. He, he got excommunicated from the church where he had been an elder at the time. Which is a pretty big deal because it's almost unheard of for fundies to practice excommunication in those words. Getting kicked out of a church and asked not to come back. That happens. But to use the strong language of excommunicated is this might be the only time I've ever heard of it happening among fundies. Okay. But like he, he jizzed on the nanny. <sighs> you can't do that. If something like, if something is going to get you excommunicated, like it's going to be that you can't just go around jizzing on people that don't want to <sighs> be jizzed on. Yeah. I know you hate gross. that word. I, I hate that word. I hate this situation and the whole thing just sicks yeah. me out so much. Should we start calling it jizzin' forum from now on? I, I can't. 
<laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's not, I shouldn't be laughing. He's such a fucking creep. Well, Fuck this guy. He's, he's yeah, creepo. like I, I wish he had seen jail time for this. I really do. But the victim did get some financial restitution, and she did, you know, she did see his entire life and ministry fall apart, which I feel like has to be satisfying. Like at least she got. I hope that she got like some satisfaction and felt like there was some kind of restoration made for her. I hope she got like a lot of money. That's five years. I hope she got a million dollars. I, I hope she got. got more than that. I hope she's driving like a Bugatti now. I hope you know? so. I hope she took. I mean, in my perfect world, she would have taken Vision for him, the company, for everything they had. Um, and now that I am officially halfway through an accounting degree, I can. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, asset forfeiture. Da, 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 da. I can yeah. make, make up big words about it. She's going to take all of their swords from their warehouse, all sell the them swords. to theater companies. And yeah. I, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I just, I hope, swords. I know that nothing could actually restore what she lost in this situation. Liquidate those assets, man. But I hope that she at least was able to get a sense of satisfaction. That I, I hope that she feels like she got something close to what she deserved. Yeah. Sorry, I'm talking with my hands and hitting my microphone because this makes me mad. I guess it's pretty good that she did get to see like his entire life and ministry fall apart and he doesn't get to be such a big f***ing hypocrite anymore. His wife stayed with him. Wait. Which, ugh. How was that his entire life falling apart? So all this means he lost his job. That's all that happens. He lost his job, had to pay a settlement. That could happen to anybody. This guy's rich. He's a lawyer. He's got a business selling swords to children. This is like a parking ticket to him. I don't think he owned vision forum the business because he had to step down from the presidency and then the business and like the business vision forum very quickly folded uh and then also he's not a practicing attorney anymore we i we don't even know if he's still got like licensure i don't know if you have to have i i do know he, i don't i don't believe he went back to practicing law ever hmm. so he was just living off the assets of vision forum or like whatever he had from that but this is the fundy world, too. So the church and the ministry are your life. I found his wife's Instagram. She apparently is still married to him. She never posts pictures pictures of him. She's out there working outside the home and wearing skirts that show her knees. So it's not clear where they end up, but it's not deep in fundy world, wherever it is. I mean, they let David Hiles still do mission trips and like catfish Filipino girls. David Hiles, like he literally killed a child, allegedly. allegedly. And yeah, he he had a briefcase full of like child sex abuse pictures, according allegedly. to that lawsuit from last year. Allegedly, he literally ruined that woman's life, allegedly, which we on this podcast 100 percent believe believe all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, can't Doug Phillips just say, I have seen the error of my ways and Jesus has fixed me with his love, you know, like Josh Duggar did, and they'll have to let him back in. Yeah, he he did issue that kind of statement. If you if you read his resignation statement from Vision Forum, um, it's pretty easy to find. He did issue that kind of statement like, oh, I have sinned against God and I have repented. Uh, but it just it was not enough for him to retain presidency of the Vision Forum. For him to prevent his company from closing um, to whatever extent he owned that company and or to allow him to remain in his church. How long does repentance take? Because he was fighting that for like a year. He was fighting having I mean, to step down for like a year. And now he's like, oh, I've seen the error of my like. Right. Because he was abusing her for five years. 
It's got to at least take longer for you to repent for what you've done than the time it took for you to do that thing or for you how would, long you were doing it. Right. That makes sense. Think, right. You like you would think, well, he, his, his repentance spiel didn't work. It's just not real clear what exactly he's been doing since then. Rumor on the internet is that he got infatuated with the 1940s burlesque scene. And then he like went around Europe photographing burlesque shows. What? Yeah, like he he's got like a pho- photography and videography career now apparently maybe if it's if it's actually him and not just stealing other people's footage. So A of all, the 1940s and Europe is not a combination that I would describe as sexy. Our 2% of German <laughs> listeners know what's up. Uh <laughs> Yeah, true. But also, I played in a band that primarily did backing for burlesque shows for a while. And the modern burlesque scene is fantastic and something I fully support. Like body positivity, cool music, the creativity. Oh my god, I follow a lady who makes all of her own burlesque costumes and like has a 3D printer and does amazing stuff. Like there's so much good in that scene, but it's definitely not... Like, okay, uh, it's not PG rated. It's not that no. scene in the office. Like, you remember the office when, when Michael makes the Michael Scarn movie? And like, yeah. a scene from the Michael Scarn movie is that Threat Level Midnight, I think is the name of his movie. Yeah. But Jan is sitting on the piano with like a, like a glittery dress and like a cigarette holder singing. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. It's not that the modern burlesque scene is not that at all. <laughs> Just so you know. No. I don't know what business this like super modesty culture man thinks he has being there no like that's not your wife (laughs) this man is out here making friends with max mosley i'm just saying there are multiple (laughs) reasons that this does not make any sense at all (sighs) so i can tell you i turned up a few of his social media profiles he does cinematography and videography he's dabbled in some travel videos i have no clue what he's actually doing with his time now he's written a few more books Uh, which are very much along the lines of his old work. He's doing videos for people, like dance videos for people that are not dressed what I would, like what he would call modestly. He's not behaving according to his own rules at all, but he's also still writing books that support his old beliefs. Mm. There was some footage posted from his daughter's wedding recently. Her wedding dress was lovely. It was gorgeous. She looked amazing, but it was not fun to approved. It was low backed and sleeveless with an illusion neckline. And he's just like there at her wedding chilling. Well, but maybe he's not funny. Maybe he's gotten out. Maybe his excommunication was a wake up call that he needed to show him that the lifestyle he was promoting was incompatible with the realities of human existence and that the culture of shame and power are deeply harmful to everybody involved and creates an environment where even well-meaning people can become abusers. Not that he was a well-meaning person, by the way, because he yeah. like he jacked off on the nanny for five years. Uh, <laughs> right. No, from what I can find, that. so so in 2014, Beale, his wife, said that after the excommunication, they attended Hyde Park Baptist Church. So I looked up Hyde Park Baptist Church. It's a it's a really big church. I I'm like 99 sure they're Southern Baptist because they support Operation Christmas Child, which is a Southern Baptist program. But it's it's a it's a very big like more liberal Baptist church with like the blue lights on stage, very modern looking like worship band and all that, women on staff, uh, whatever like like not in like big like not a woman pastor of course, but there's like women as like children's pastors and stuff. 
So it looks like they attend a more liberal church, but also Beale said that their pastor supported Doug's teachings. Mm. So I don't know. And at the daughter's wedding, like one of the other daughters gave her a blessing from scripture about having many children, which would go back to his original beliefs. Okay, but that's not that. We, like they throw rice out at weddings, right? You know, that's supposed to symbolize you're going to have many children. Eh, right? I it, guess. Isn't that what that's for? That's not that weird. Maybe like it's been communicated in the like this family, they want to have children. They're getting married. They're going to have like outside of. I mean, I know we, we I guess we kind of live in a liberal bubble or whatever, but like people we know are like, oh, we're getting married, but we're not going to have children. I don't yeah. like how like if you're in a, like a Baptist church in general, how common is it going to be to just be like, oh, well, we're getting married, but we're not having children. The expectation is you're going to have children, right? Yeah, that's true. That's not that that doesn't seem that weird to me. I don't I don't know. The Vision Forum Facebook page is up and running, which is suspicious. It, the Vision Forum Facebook page it does not let you know who actually runs it. People think it might be one of the older daughters. But also it like reposts Tucker Carlson clips and like rants about effeminate men and so on and so forth. Okay, well, that's really shit, considering Tucker Carlson is like just straight up mask off white supremacist these days talking about like great replacements and shit. Like, you, yeah, you know how I always say that I only hate like four people and I'm really, really selective. I just don't go around saying I hate people. Um, but like two of the people that I will just be like, no, I hate that dude, Jack Scott and Steven Anderson. Mm. I might I might be adding a fifth person anyway. Um, this guy sucks. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I might be adding two: Tucker Carlson and Doug Phillips. Yeah. Um, the point that I'm making is is it is really hard to determine. Usually fundies who are like leaving or in the process of leaving, like ex-fundies, you give everybody who's been, uh, who has left at some point will understand what I'm about to say. And those who haven't might not. You give people clues as to where you are. Like you broadcast using your dress, your words, your social media, where you are in the process of leaving so that you can like contact other people who are in the same process of leaving as you. So, like, it's a big deal if you're a woman the first time you post a picture of yourself wearing pants because you are mm. sending a message to everybody who you knew in the fundy world who is still fundy that you're on your way out and you are broadcasting a message to your friends who are already out that you're coming to join them. It's it's an extremely big deal when you do that. It's an extremely big deal when you post a picture of yourself drinking alcohol because you're broadcasting these steps to getting out and his family is broadcasting some of these steps, but I don't see any backup that they've changed their beliefs. So it looks to me like maybe they've loosened the rules of like the like the the really strict modesty rules, but they've kept all the patriarchal beliefs, which is somehow even more scary. Like a a, a patriarchal male dominant family where the wife wears yoga pants is somehow way scarier to me than the same family if the wife's in an ankle length denim skirt interesting it just shakes me up it, it i don't know why it just scares me so, so what they, do you think he's he's going for what do you think he's doing i know for sure that he's in because I, I i saw um just the front page of the legal documents uh, that he is in litigation with amex or was a couple years ago he Seems to have been in trouble with at least one credit card company, if not more, uh, over not paying his credit cards. Mm -hmm. So whatever he got out of Vision Forum, minus whatever he had to pay 
to Lourdes, which I hope was a lot. It seems like his money may have run out. His wife has also made some posts about like, oh, well, the windows won't go all the, the windows won't roll all the way up in my car. I can't afford to have it fixed right now, but I'm enjoying the breeze. God has blessed me. Yeah. So like, I don't bring this up to shame the guy for having and, and also his wife is working outside the home because somebody has to support his family because it seems like he's not fucking working. He's got a Patriarch. lot of kids, man. He's I just- mean, you doug phillips for being a patriarch who can't even support and protect his own family you're not even living up to your own ass beliefs i bring this up because i think it's about time for him to try to stage a comeback i really think he's going to try to revive vision for him Mm. maybe like with the more liberal rules that his family seems to be living under maybe with maybe he's gonna rebrand everything with a new more modern terminology I think he is probably at some point going to try to become a Christian leader again. And if he does do this, you can be sure that we will talk about it here on Leaving Eden Podcast and that I will absolutely troll the out of his Twitter feed and call him Doug the Fertilizer Phillips and uh, uh, describe it as Jizen Forum, not Vision Forum. So, That's what so I'll he's do. done Titan- Titanic theme stuff. He's still like on the Titanic kick, but he's also done some Civil War secessionist fanboying, and now he's on a 1940s mm-hmm. kick. So the next thing that I'm expecting is that he's gonna buy some like loose Hawaiian shirts and like stripy shirts and bleach his hair a little bit and buy a brick of coke and tell us how the 80s were actually the most <laughs> moral and chivalrous generation in American history. <laughs> My guess is that he's going to do a shot-for-shot remake of Titanic on TikTok and replace all of the dialogue with Bible verses. Oh, good Lord. Please don't let this man get a TikTok. This dude grooms teenage girls. There is a 100% chance that he has a TikTok already. He's also into, like, videography and photography. He's on TikTok. 100% chance he's on TikTok. He's got a bunch of Instagram accounts. And, like, he doesn't make it clear that they're his interesting it, which just i don't know what he's doing with that but it just seems sketchy maybe he just keeps forgetting the password and he has to make <laughs> a new one that's totally possible so i feel like when we talked about the lawsuit a few minutes ago you were more focused on the money that he did or didn't lose and the fact that he didn't get jail time and i'm certainly i'm not intending to criticize you for that at all but for me like what makes me mad is not what he did or didn't lose as far as money or like jail time what makes me mad is what his quality of life is now. Maybe I didn't focus on those things because I've come to expect that in these cases, jail time is rare. So expecting it is like setting your hopes too high. Where I'm coming from with this is when someone goes to jail, that's punishment. And what we ask is, did that person effectively lose enough years of their life to pay for the damage that they caused to other people or to society? And if someone doesn't go to jail and we think they should, or they don't pay as much in a lawsuit or settlement as we think they should, what we ask ourselves is, is it acceptable that they did X amount of damage and they didn't lose X amount of years or X amount of money? Is that okay? Is that societally acceptable? Is it okay for someone to effectively lose five to 10 years of their life because they had a joint in their pocket? Is it okay for Jeffrey Epstein to commit the horrors that he did and quote unquote get away with an early death instead of years in prison? Is it okay for the Wells Fargo executives who committed fraud to get away with no jail time? Personally, I don't think any of those things are okay. And I'm not faulting you at all. And please don't feel like I'm I'm like trying to correct you or blame you because I'm not. 
But I feel like you just don't understand the rage that I feel when I see Doug's wife and daughters out wearing pants and dancing and drinking and doing things on their own. I feel like you don't understand why it makes me furious to see him just out gallivanting around doing photography for events and people that the IFB would have never approved of. Because the question that I'm <clears throat> the question that I'm asking myself is is it okay? Is it okay for him to tell so many people to live this way and then to go turn on a dime and do all of these things that he said were sinful? Hundreds, if not thousands of people probably still live according to his rules and he doesn't even follow his rules anymore. It makes me so angry to think that there are women and girls in the IFB and the IBLP now in 2021 suffering under his rules and his laws that he perpetrated while his wife and daughters had been using the money that those families paid Doug to buy jeans. And I don't, I only fault Beale and the daughters to an extent. Like, yeah, what they're doing is kind of crappy, but they've been through some bad shit and I cannot say for certain that I would behave any better in their shoes. Like, like, what do you expect them to do? Just live under, they shouldn't have to live under this terrible patriarchal way of life for the rest of their lives just because their husband or dad perpetuated it. Like, that's not fair to them. They should be able to have freedom. Like, I want them to live a good life. Doug is using the money that he made off of IFB and IFBLP people who desperately wanted to do right to do things that they would consider wrong. And that just makes me furious. Oh, it's deeply ironic, though. It is. And it's like, I don't get that. Like, I don't believe that his family should have to live under that patriarchy for the rest of their life because, like, if they were really following at home what he taught, they had no choice. And they, it, you can't, just like Lourdes couldn't consent to a relationship, his family couldn't consent to those rules because there was no mechanism for true consent for them to live like that. If he was really in charge the way that he says that he was in his family. But I think Doug Phillips made these patriarchal rules and he made these very strict rules for how to live a Christian life. And I think he should have to live under them for the rest of his life. I think he should never get to go see a movie. I think he should never get to, I mean, he should never get to touch a woman who isn't his wife. He should never get to go to a burlesque show and pe- see people what he would have at that point called immodest. I, I think he should, he should never get to drink. He should never have the privilege of doing those things that he prevented other people from doing. That's what ma- that's what makes me mad. The world isn't fair, sadly. Yeah. You know, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it is deeply ironic. It's been a while but, since I went off on like a really angry rant on this show. That felt great. Well, here's here's so. Do you think that this guy was a true? Or is he just a grifter? Because like th- this is the sort of thing like Sadie. When no, I, when I, I think he was. I think he was a true believer because I don't think he ever made that much money. Hmm. I could be wrong though. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, like every time I see any of these people, a- anybody who is just like really strong into the into the ideology or into the um in in like or the the purity of some whether it be like a political ideology that there's purity that, like there's like a purity test for like a, a a religious ideology that there's like a purity test for like whatever it is. Whenever I see somebody doing that, like ninety nine times out of a hundred, I'm like that person is a grifter like if you know it people who are into you know absolutism or whatever they are like 99 times out of 100 they are grifters and it's the one percent who aren't that you really have to worry about yeah Um, i i can see why you would think that i think what i'm always considering is what 
did this person have to gain by taking the path that they did take versus what did they have to gain by taking another path that might have been easier? Like, would it, would Doug Phillips have made just as much money if he were a regular lawyer that just like was like, and, and like his, his law partners or whatever just knew like, oh yeah, that guy's a little bit weird. He's a little bit religious. He doesn't drink and, and his wife wears a lot of skirts. But would he have ever been able to find law partners, you know? Yeah. Like would, or would they have been like, oh, this guy's a misogynist. He can't work at our firm. Well, how much money do you think that this guy had? Or, or like how, how much money do you think that he wanted or that he needed do, when he was running vision for him? I'm sure he was doing very well. And maybe and, for well, him, he, he likes that. Like he likes world travel because the trips that he took with the nanny, like he took, he went on trips to Rome. He went on trips to Hawaii, taking his entire family. Like that's a lot of plane tickets. If you've got seven or eight kids. Right. So I'm sure he was doing fine. So he was like, okay, I've got enough money, but the thing that he really wants is power over all of these people and to have every need that he can have catered to because you know like you can have a lot of money but you're not going to have literally every single need that you would ever want catered to and have a system where you are literally like the king that's That's, true that's made that's obviously what he wanted more like there's only so much money and then beyond that like you can't be a king this guy made himself a king iblp you know the biblical patriarchy literally makes men into kings that's what it does yeah if you want to be a king that's what you go for See, that, that is a very good point because I don't think that he would have started Vision Forum for the money because it doesn't – it doesn't. there's other ways to get money that are argu- arguably maybe a little bit easier. No, he had his dad like teaching him about like classical whatever sh- Like, oh, this was, these were great men. These are, are, are great heroes and they had moral judgment. They had power and they used it responsibly. That's I'm sure what his dad was teaching him all about um, and standing up to the amorality like – at the dinner table growing up, he's like, I see myself as doing that same thing. That's what he's going to try to do. He's going to try to make himself into a patriarch, like a king. And that's Yeah, and I think maybe this kind of goes back to, to the Scop thing as well, because Scop wanted to be – I think Scop needed, like, needed power in that same way. And, and they wanted, all need like, power. Like Scop saw himself as such a great man. That's that's it. Like what? That's what I was trying to say. Scop referenced, uh, I think in some court documents or maybe one of the letters to his victim about how great men have great needs and like I'm such a great man that I deserve this. And that's kind of how how Scop justified what he was doing. And I see that same thing in Doug Phillips. It's like, oh, well, I am saving homeschooling. I'm saving classical education. I am saving the memory of the Titanic, apparently. So I deserve this little like this little vice. I deserve my vice of jizzing on the nanny. Um, well, I mean, that happens with regular, like regular people do that. Like regular powerful people don't yeah. sexually assault people, but they may have a strip club habit or a fancy scotch habit or a expensive cigar habit or a gambling habit. Like, like regular rich people who are very powerful have like one little vice. They'll buy a lot of fancy cars, stuff like that, or maybe like, they'll like have two or three. Have, or, like, or even like Jerry Seinfeld. Like he he doesn't live extremely ostentatiously. He doesn't have like a huge mansion. But what does he have? He has that garage full of really vintage nice Porsches. vintage yeah. cars that he got to take the president for a ride in once. Yeah. Mm. Like that's that like the, it's that but twisted into evil no that makes sense like rich and powerful people have their one little treat to themselves 
And when you're an evil, rich and powerful person, that one little trait is you know, often sexual assault. Or even if you're not necessarily an evil person, but that you've been, just been raised to all of this biblical patriarchy, like crazy stuff. Yeah, like it's way, way out there. You, you can know? own a woman like Jerry Seinfeld owns a car. Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. like that's what this is what's going to happen. Yikes. Anyway, I think that we're getting towards the end of this. I think we've got to wrap it up. Those were some Nobody really tell Jerry thoughts. Seinfeld that I, that I mentioned him in the same sentence, even though it was complimentary. <laughs> I would yeah. be really sad. I would be so sad if Jerry Seinfeld hated me. What's the deal with airline food? <laughs> did I tell you what I saw? Okay, I'm going to do a lighthearted thing to close this episode because this was dark. Yeah, go for did it. I tell you, did I tell you when I saw him in Vegas, like what his like opening joke was? What? What's the deal with Uba? <laughs> <laughs> he went on like a 10 minute rant about uber it was really funny yeah all right all right all right, all right. All right. okay yeah uh anyway uh if you like the leaving eden podcast follow us on uh you can subscribe to our patreon which is patreon.com slash leaving eden podcast if you liked this episode and you wish this episode were like an hour longer <laughs> go on to our patreon and pay us money and it is there like an hour longer than it is right now if you hated this episode uh and you thought that it was too weird then you shouldn't subscribe to our patreon um just being honest, uh, managing expectations there. You can join our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash Eden Exodus. You can join our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, it is at Leaving Eden Podcast. Twitter, it is at Leaving Eden Pod. Sadie, plug your social media. Yeah. Um, first, if you would like the sources for this episode, they will be available as a free post on our Patreon you don't have to have a Patreon account to access that. You do not have to support us financially in any way to access that. They will they will be it's like a like a free post that anybody can access. As well as like 20 more links for further reading because the more I read about this guy, the wilder it got. And we only had three hours for this episode. You can follow me on social media uh, on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music or on Twitter at Hell Yes Sadie. Um and I did want to, I, I need to wrap up one thing from last episode that I forgot. One of our listeners actually sent me some excellent resources for dealing with my getting triggered by loud noises thing. And I totally meant to mention it when I was talking in our last episode about that. And I forgot to, but I wanted to say thank you. Yeah. And That's it. <laughs> you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.